Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast Wild Card Recap Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to break down all four games from the Saturday and Sunday action. Hope you guys enjoyed the weekend. Playoff football, maybe not the most overly competitive, but playoff football nonetheless. Joining me, as always, the one, the only Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, Dwayne? Ian, it's always a great day to be great, but sure. you know, some days it's less great than others. <laughs> And yes. uh, that was brutal. I, I went to the Cowboy game yesterday, and uh, you and I both talked about how there was a chance that they would lose this game. We didn't take the Packers lightly. I just did not see that complete ass-kicking coming. I did not, I did not foresee that. Uh, so, you know, I was in a section of fans that were all pretty much Packers, and by the end of it, I just made good friends with them all, was hanging out with them, started rooting for the Packers, to be honest, at the end, and uh, just left the game early. So it was a... It was not a great day to go drop, uh, you know, all that money at Jerry World, but uh, you know, those are the breaks, Ian. That's how that's how life goes. Packers now have more playoff wins at Jerry World than the uh, Cowboys, Dwayne. So that's <laughs> uh, that's not. I've, ideal. I've I've been at two of them, so. <laughs> I think uh, I speak for the rest of Cowboys Nation when we say, please stop going to these uh, Packers-Cowboys playoff games. Uh, I think uh, first time, <laughs> you know, okay, them. maybe a coincidence. Second time, oh my God. All right, next time I'm out, I'm not going. There uh, were some I'm, additional I'm... games over the weekend, everybody. And we're gonna go, going to go ahead and start with Saturday afternoon. The Texans beating down the Cleveland Browns 45-14. to Houston covered as two-and-a-half-point dogs, obviously. And the over did cash rather easily at 45. So just more brilliance from C.J. Stroud. I mean, under 30 pass attempts in three of his last four full games, which is the only reason why the counting numbers haven't been a bit bigger. But just at this point, Dwayne, it's Brock Purdy and then pretty much C.J. Stroud as the NFL's two most efficient quarterbacks and more or less any metric out there. Legit, though, throwing downfield has been where Stroud and company have been at their best. 9.5-yard average target depth, second highest mark among any quarterback this season. And just when throwing the ball at least 20 yards downfield, we're talking about the Houston Texans boasting the league's single best passer rating on those sort of downfield shots. So usually it's been Nico Collins, Dwayne, before we obviously had Tank Dell doing his thing. But hey, there's a wide open Dalton Schultz for a long crosser. Oh, Brevin Jordan's going to go ahead and be the fastest kid alive for a play and go and score a 70-yard <laughs> house call. There's weapons all over this offense offense but at the end of the day I think CJ Stroud is obviously the key that has unlocked everything really fun group to watch and suddenly yeah looking like the Texans might just be inexplicably a contender in the year 2024 what a time to be alive yeah man Stroud looks absolutely great and you're talking about the deep passing uh yeah the 9.3 a dot on the season and just coming through with big play after big play and uh, who knew that Nico Collins would be this good like we liked him we liked him. We pumped him up in the offseason, but uh, seeing him take it to this level is really uh, has been a fun thing to watch. Like when you look at Nico over these last four games, Ian, 26% targets per route run. He's got a 20%, 27%, sorry, 32% targets per route run. 26% is his season long number, but 32% over the last four games. Obviously, since Tank Dell's gone down, he's gotten even more of the work. 27% of the targets, 37% of the team's air yards. And really, you know, he does get these deep shots. But he also is really good underneath. You know, he's yeah. a guy that has shown us he can take a slant, reverse back out of that, you know, and turn the DB around and take it to the house. Uh, so he's, he seems to have all of the tools in the tool bag that you need. He's got the size to win the contested catches. He can beat you over the top, can beat you underneath. So, yeah, man, I'm super excited about Nico Collins uh, and this offense, not just heading into next week, but also just thinking about the uh, the rankings and where really Nico Collins belongs heading into the 2024 fantasy season. You mentioned the yards after the catch. Shout out to Next Gen Stats. They have, you know, your usual yards after the catch stat, but they also measure the expected yards after the catch. And honestly, man, top five wide receiver this yeah. year and yards after the catch above expectation, none other than Nico Collins. So, yeah, you know, making some things happen downfield, but just get the ball in the dude's hands and big plays are going on as well. So, on the season now, 3.17 yards per out run. Only Tyreek Hill has him beat. So, we continue to have the Fantasy Life mock draft going on. On. This thing is taking freaking weeks at this point, but that's what happens in slow draft world sometimes. Dwayne, you got him at the 3.4. Here are the wide receivers. There are 14 of them who went ahead of Nico. Tyreek, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, AJB, the Sun God, Garrett Wilson, Puka Nakua, Debo Samuel, Stefan Diggs, DJ Moore, Cooper Cup, Chris Olave, and Jalen Waddle. Not disagreeing with this placement here as wide receiver 15, but man, Dwayne, honestly, looking at that wide receiver 10 spot, like, Diggs versus Nico, Nico versus DJ Moore. 
It's a yeah, conversation. No, Nico, Nico versus Alave is also an interesting one. Nico versus Waddle. Uh, oh. Nico versus Cooper Cup. Yep. <laughs> I think those are, uh, that's the group where it's like, okay, I think I could take Nico over any one of those. Um, you know, the thing is, we got to really dig back into the splits when we had Tank Dell on the field. But honestly, yep. I just don't worry too much about it because of how good Stroud looks. Uh, yeah. I think Stroud's completely capable of carrying two superstar wide receivers and then both eating. So not a lot to be concerned about, but obviously some of this late season boom for Nico is just not having much target competition. I mean, Dalton Schultz, he's getting a little bit, but he's not even in a full-time role anymore. You know, he's not even getting a 70% route participation mm -hmm. because of the guy you talked about, Revan Jordan working in. Then, then Noah Brown, you know, who's been surprising this year, but he has been able to stay healthy stay on the field and robert woods like i think at this point we have to say he's washed because yeah. if he was still good cj stroud is obviously good enough uh that robert woods should be scoring fantasy points so not a lot of target competition right now tank dell will change that equation a, a bit but uh again just the offense looks so good it's one of those things i probably just won't try to overthink too much <laughs> Hopefully we can get Tank Dell back in action 2024 feeling like his usual self. But hey, man, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they are spenders of some sorts in free agency or they use a day two pick in that wide receiver room. Because to your point, yeah, we don't have much going on with the artist known as Bobby Trees. Mike Evans on one side, Nico on the other, Tank Dell in the slot, a man can dream, Dwayne. So you mentioned Noah Brown once again dealing with a shoulder injury, so make sure you keep an eye on that throughout the week. I think the only other point here for Houston, we'll say that Nico's day could have been even bigger. Yeah. Only Probably the only miss from Stroud the entire day, might as well over the last month, was a deep bomb to Nico that could have, should have, would have been a long 70-yard touchdown. Instead, we were just sheeshing. But yeah, Dwayne, I think the only other note here is Devin Singletary keeping on, keeping on, man. He's pretty much had this, you know, RB1 job now for 10 games. He's averaged 19.1 touches, 91 total yards, and 0.5 touchdowns over that stretch. So continues to just simply look like the far superior player over Damian Pierce. Same offense. Pierce is averaging 2.8 yards per carry, and we have Devin Singletary all the way up there at 4.2. So only a one-year contract, Dwayne. I'm not sure if this is going to persist in the 2024 regular season, if Singletary is even going to be on the team next year. But at least for right now in the present, man, don't need uh, more than two hands to count the uh, number of running back to the more fantasy friendly role yeah over the last four games it's gotten even better like you you gave a good breakdown of the last 10 uh 70 of the rushing attempts he's got a 51 route participation nine percent target share so not super involved in the passing attack but he has gotten more of the two-minute offense over the last couple of games they didn't even need to use it this weekend so yeah. we don't have another data point because they were leading houston so much you know heading into the halftime that it just wasn't a big factor during the game but yeah over this last four over the last four games, averaging 15 and a half carries per game, 63 yards, getting 4.4 yards per uh, carry, and he's getting a half of a touchdown, uh, you know, average right now over those four games. So, yeah, you're essentially looking at a player that's in a, we can't say like the 100% every down roll, but very close. Like he's just not getting the long down and distance work, which honestly we don't care that much about. You don't score many fantasy points on those downs. Um, so yeah, right now looking at Devin Singletary doing all the things that you would want. So if you took him in a best ball draft, you got Houston advancing, you're feeling pretty good about it. Meanwhile, clock struck midnight on the Joe Flacco-led Cleveland Browns Cinderella story. Actually, you know, it's uh, ridiculous to say this out loud, but I'll go ahead and give it a whirl. <laughs> Played fine, other than the two pick sixes. Dwayne can't exactly be making uh, those mistakes out there. But, you know, just again, 307 total yards was fairly accurate, but also taking the four sacks. This was far more like the Flacco we saw during his first three games, not the one that went absolutely, you know, Thunder Joe and Fuego over the final two games of the regular season. So really good story but yeah end of the day four percent turnover worthy play rate on the year that was a bottom 10 mark tied with bailey zappy and right there with sam howell so certainly did still see joe flacco making a few too many mistakes we will see what happens with him in the 2024 and beyond i'd certainly imagine at a minimum he got a backup quarterback job secured maybe a reunion with the jets would make sense for all parties involved but Dwayne, i really don't think we live in a world where the browns are going to turn their back on deshaun watson they have you know well over 200 million guaranteed Guaranteed reasons to not do anything of that nature. And Browns fans, I would remind you guys that the last time you have Watson under center had a nice little come from behind victory in Baltimore. So sucks here. I mean, this was seriously like probably we were talking like last week, Dwayne, like was this maybe like the single best storyline, just kind of feel good Browns season that we've had since they, you know, ended up going back to Cleveland in the late 90s. Sucks that that had to end with a 31 point loss to the very team who you owe draft picks to as well. But yeah, we'll just again try to zoom 
them out a little bit, as bad as this game was, still a lot of fun to be had for the Joe Flacco led Browns down the stretch. Yeah, the Browns need to bring him back just in case. Like, we just yeah, don't know what the heck is going on right now with Deshaun Watson. And it could be, you know, something that, uh, you know, is long term. And yeah. they, they need to have someone else here that can step in if needed. I mean, in Flacco over the last four games, man, 343 yards passing per game. That's just, that's insane. Uh, and it was all coming on on play action. That's he's so comfortable in play action. They were hitting these huge plays. 35% of his dropbacks have been play action over the last four games. So that is number one in the NFL over that period. That's an astronomical number because that's not per attempt. That's per dropback. So 35% is even higher than if you're, if you're used to hearing people quote you that stat, you know, from a standpoint of how many passing attempts were off of play action. So yeah, Joe Flacco, a guy that definitely should, uh, you know, if I'm the Browns, I'm not letting him get away um, because I've got questions right now about Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, if he does have to play next year, do we really would we forecast that he's going to come in and do all this again? Uh, probably not, but uh, we, at least we know the possibilities there. Hey, man, and we even saw the previous season where he was in there briefly with the Jets putting yeah. up. Yeah, maybe a little bit empty numbers at times, but numbers nonetheless and certainly a heck of a lot better than what we saw from a bunch of backup quarterbacks around the league this season. Also want to give another shout out to David Njoku. Seven catches, 93 yards in this one. He's now finished the year with 90 plus yards in four of his last five games and scored a combined four touchdowns along the way. So 23 missed tackles forced as a receiver this year. No other tight end over even 18 so true kingship from the joku and he emerged as a number one pass catcher in this offense really down the stretch with amari cooper being so hobbled with that heel injury so man Dwayne, like you look at the joku and the only kind of red flag with all this production is the fact it's come on such a low dot. i mean just 5.4 yards evan ingram's also at five so it's not like he's the only guy like down there at the bottom who's also put up some big fancy numbers but do you even really care about that i mean honestly when you have someone like Njoku who is such a yak beast as long as the gadgety sort of touches the more screens and stuff as long as those aren't coming at the expense of a full-time role which he has i think you could honestly argue it gives him a higher floor than we would see from other tight ends so david njoku in our handy dandy mock draft ended up going all the way at the end of round eight Dwayne. so i took evan ingram in that same round we had george kittle trey mcbride and tj hawkinson go between the middle of round five and the end of round six I'm just saying, man, if we can get Njoku at the 8-9 turn again next year, I'm probably going to be a buyer once again. Yeah, and so, like, if you look at the dot thing, like, first, we'll start there. That doesn't really drop – that doesn't bother me, you know, too much. Same. Like, if you look at uh, – over the last 12 seasons, the tight end one through three averaged a 22% air yard share uh, and a 21% target share. If we look at Njoku down the stretch, he's at 27% of the air yards for the team. So he's in, like we've had a lot of tight ends have this sort of profile. So I, I don't worry too much about the average depth of target. And with Njoku, the other thing is, we know that he can stretch the field. We know he can do the vertical seam stuff. That's just not the way they were designing it up for him this season. So I know that that capability is there to unlock even more from an air yards perspective. But no, I'm not worried about that. The biggest question I think we have on Njoku is just going to be like, we've seen this guy for so many years now, and and all of a sudden, like we've got this four-game sample where he's got a 27% target share. It's like, okay, how much weight are we going to put into the way the season ended? Yeah. Um, because we know we're probably not going to have Flacco under center, and they had an amazing connection. Um, we've had, to your point, Amari Cooper banged up, so he's had less target competition. And the Browns really right now don't have a third weapon. Let's ha We'll have to see what they do in the offseason. Do they add you know, someone else that can really challenge? Maybe Cedric Tillman or one of these other young guys step up. Uh, Elijah Moore, I'm, I'm done. Like, if he couldn't step up in the, if, over this stretch at the end, Ian, even with Amari Cooper banged up with how well Joe Flacco played, at least from a yardage perspective, I think it's pretty safe to say that we shouldn't be messing around with Elijah Moore anymore. So, uh, it, the only dependency really for me with Njoku is what do the offseason moves look like? And then us just having to reevaluate what do we think about the Browns with Deshaun Watson under center rather than Flacco. Man, even with more, dude, like we obviously drafted too much of him. But if you would have said, hey, he's going to 104 targets, he's going to have, you know, a handful of carries as well, would have been feeling okay about the I know. ball, but just especially you know. about where we where we were drafting him, like yeah. round eight and nine, like you would think, oh, okay, that probably paid off ADP. No, it didn't. <laughs>
did not. Did Somehow not even come close to it. So <laughs> maybe he does keep that role because the Browns have just been shockingly bad at really developing these, you know, day two wide receiver picks. I mean, Anthony Schwartz, David Bell, and Cedric Tillman, three straight seasons. You know, kudos to Bell for actually coming on a little bit over these final two weeks, especially in full PPR scoring. But yeah, they I had a thirty-one percent target per route run this weekend. <laughs> Like, uh, I don't know that that was necessarily a good thing. It's just what the Browns had to do. And and you mentioned it with Amari. You saw it on the first catch. Yeah. He re-injured the hill on the first catch. You, he, the way he came down and he struck his hill as he was going down to catch that ball, he was on this crossing pattern headed towards the sideline. And he, he came out of the game for a few plays. He did get back in there. He's a warrior, but obviously he was not the same the rest of the day. So again, we do need, we did need some things to go right for Njoku to have this, you know, break out there down the stretch. But again, Dwayne, for guys like the Kittle, like, there, man. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So it's a similar phenomenon where, you know, when we talk about Kittle and Goddard, oh my gosh, how are these really talented tight ends going to get the ball enough? Well, you know what? If we can confirm they are a true dog like we have with these guys, hey, maybe you should just be exposing yourselves to those situations, even if the cost is a bit higher than you prefer, because we have now seen what he can do when just a few things go his way. All right, guys, Saturday night football. Now the Chiefs took down the Dolphins 26 to 7. KC covered as four and a half point favorites. The under did cash here at 43 and a half. So, not, you know, the most incredible game from Patrick Mahomes 23 for 41, only average 6.4 yards per attempt. But when you just look at the overall help in the offense, the amount of freaking deep balls that Miko Hartman just couldn't even put his hands out for, and also the, you know, freezing weather involved, obviously wasn't a horrible performance. We can talk more about an example of that here in just a minute it was pretty wild seeing uh you know his helmet break Dwayne in the middle of the play <laughs> I wonder if uh Patrick I Mahomes couldn't believe how long they let him just keep playing right like what are we doing here but yeah. I wonder if uh Patrick Mahomes in that what 500 million dollar contract if he'll have to give a little bit of money or if that's only reserved for Jalen Warrens of the world you know that we always get those Saturday afternoon fines from the NFL so I hope Patrick Mahomes gets fined like thirty thousand dollars Dwayne to be like you and me having to pay five but you know just wanted to get that <laughs> off my chest otherwise that was she rice another great game eight catches 130 yards and a touchdown I mean it's a similar ADOT conversation Dwayne he's only at five three this year but he's been so damn efficient it just hasn't mattered 2.48 yards per out run that is right there with Jalen Waddle and AJ Brown a top 11 mark on the year so I don't think it's that he can't go downfield I mean he's caught five of his 12 targets thrown at least 15 yards only one bad drop along the way so just with Rice man We've been asking, really, Dwayne, since probably week six, week seven, for them to just fully condense this passing game around Rice and Kelsey. They have. They're getting the best results of the season. And yeah, we'll have to see what happens in the offseason in terms of if they're going to add more weapons. I would hope they would after seeing the performance of everyone else here. But at a minimum, man, just, you know, Rasheed Rice himself, fantastic rookie year. Yeah, for sure. And and to kind of illustrate what we're talking about here with the, the ADOT, he has 1.36 air yards per route run, but his yards per route run is 2.48. Like that's almost impossible. Typically your air yards is going to be higher than your yards per route run, but because he's doing so much of his work after the catch, that's the case. But you know, when you think about an Andy Reid offense and we can go back a really long way, like he's had a lot of players that have been similar to this mold that have been really good wide receiver twos in fantasy football. I think if you're looking at the high end for Rasheed Rice, we could have another Amon Ra St. Brown. Amon Ra is not out there running, you know, 15, 20-yard routes all the time. Yeah. Most of it is within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. I think Rasheed Rice is completely capable of that. The more we've seen him this year, the other thing is it's, it's not as much gadget stuff now. Now they're doing more of the gadget stuff with the other guys, uh, but Rasheed Rice is actually running routes past the line of scrimmage, and he's getting open. Now, a lot of them are on crossers, things like that, that like every you know receiver in the NFL can run. But it doesn't matter because Patrick Mahomes likes him, yeah. and he's getting them. He's getting in the ball. So I, I, I'm not going to worry too much about the A dot. Obviously, it pushes him down a little bit from you know when we think about his ranks for the 2024 season. But uh, he's another player that I took in the fantasy life draft. I can't remember what round I took him in, and I think round six, round five or six, something like that for me for Rasheed Rice. So yeah, I, I like him a lot. Let's see. I got to pull it up right now. You took him in round five right after guys like Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Justin Fields, and Mike Evans. Don't hate that, Dwayne. Don't hate that at all. Just to put his rookie season into a bit of context, since 2000, among all rookies to get at least 100 targets, only 12 have managed to average at least nine yards per target. Not all, you know, 100% booms, but we're still talking about a list that has Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, OBJ, Keenan Allen, Michael Clayton. There's a name I haven't thought of in a while. Willie Sneed, 
Michael Thomas, Puka Nakua, Rasheed Rice, AJ Green, Marquise Colston, and DK Metcalf. Not too shabby, Dwayne. And again, at a minimum, not saying Rice is going to be, you know, the wide receiver one in Kansas City for the next decade, but certainly looking like a hell of a compliment to Travis Kelsey in the near term at worst. And it's, Isaiah, yeah, uh, sorry, and it's a similar conversation to what we talked about with Njoku. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you look at the historical data, like the air yard share for a wide receiver one is 31%. Okay. Wide receiver two is 28%. A wide receiver three is 27%. So they're all pretty tightly grouped. Um, and then you have your yards per route run, which I also factor into. So whenever you look at, you know, Rasheed Rice, since he's taken over a full-time role, that's the key here, folks. Mm-hmm. Like if you just look at his air yards on the season, it's 14%. It's pretty bad for the Chiefs. But if you isolate it down to since he took over, you know, over 80% route participation, that number's at 29%, Oof. right? So so that's fine. I mean, that's still, it's it's in the range that we want, uh, you know, for for a wide receiver two. Um, he's, right, he's right between a wide receiver one average and a wide receiver two average. So again, fantastic year from Rasheed Rice. Also fantastic year from one Isaiah Pacheco. 25 touches, 88 yards, and a touchdown in this one. Just getting absolutely fed the football recently. Last seven games, 25 touches, 25, 15, 21, 20, 20, and 16. So really doing great things with it. Still runs like, you know, the ground took everything that he's ever worked for and stuff. But I know I would not be ready to, you know, line up in front of a Pacheco and try to take him down. So the dude is doing what he's doing, and it is working out out there so look to him we'll have you know our one true fantasy rb king christian mccaffrey back in action this week but if you want to say pacheco's the rb2 overall man i'm not gonna fight you no i mean when you look at pacheco another guy i drafted (laughs) in in our draft and he's a little concerning because you know he's a round seven pick they could add competition but i mean i waited i think i got pacheco in round seven uh of the fantasy life draft but if you look over these last three games uh since we've had Jarek mckinnon on ir that's the big development here for pacheco is he's taken over the two-minute offense. He's got 94% of the two-minute offense snaps during this period. That's going to always help your target share. It didn't necessarily come through this last weekend. He only had a 3% target share, but there was a, a screenplay that got blown up. There was another play where Patrick Mahomes was going to him on the first read, and they just happened, the Dolphins just happened to be in man coverage, and a linebacker was already out on him in the flat, so he had to go to his next read. Um, I think he's going to be a high-end running back one, like obviously if you're thinking about playing any more of the best ball, you know, stuff, he's got to be one of the first first couple of guys off the board, you know, with Kyron out now. So as far as 2024 out seat, you know, outlook, I'm a little bit not I don't want to say I'm bearish, but just because I know that they could still add someone, that's going to be a big factor. Who does Kansas City add? Now if they don't add anybody that, you know, we're really that worried about, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how high does Pacheco climb in the fantasy football ranks. I did a little research last week whenever I was uh you know, writing up some stuff mm-hmm. and just kind of seeing like where other people had put out some early ranks. Uh, I would say most rankers have Pacheco in their top 12 towards the bottom. Yep. That's about where we were ranking him at the end of the season. So it makes sense for right now, as is the case with all these positions. We'll see who gets added in the draft and free agency, but certainly looks like the lead RB1 right now. And Dwayne, I think it's a good example. I know in the offseason when we were looking at, you know, just like running backs and how some of them, I think namely Ramondre Stevenson was the guy who uh, got me to just say like, all right, yes, you know, he needed a lot of things to go his ways uh, injury-wise in 2022 from the breakout, but you can still look at the player, the talent, and say like, okay, this is a guy who can work across all three downs and make good things happen should he get that opportunity and I think that's kind of what we saw Pacheco last year as well man he had caught 13 of 14 targets in the regular season he had that really good game against the Bengals where he had like 50 uh, receiving yards in the AFC championship so even though he wasn't getting featured in the past game that was Jared McKinnon yeah we still had a decent idea that he could handle minimal pass game work and now fast forward to this year and he's caught 45 of 50 targets dude truly has one of the highest catch rates in the league so no not the second coming of cmc or eckler but certainly capable enough and we're seeing that accordingly produce plenty of fantasy points mentioned the Miko hardman deep ball mishaps and otherwise Dwayne, i think the story was just how futile this miami dolphins offense ended up looking seven points the fewest of the mike mcdaniel era 264 total yards is the fifth worst so one of the things we brought up you know in kind of our deeper preview was the reality that this chief secondary and defense as a whole really freaking good they remain the nfl's only defense to not have allowed 30 plus points in any game this season the packers are the only team to score more than 21 points on them for a good two 
two months running. So again, it mentioned the Chiefs, you know, and just using those two high defenses more often than anyone really has done a great job of stopping some of the league's more lethal passing attacks, namely, you know, some of the troubles they've given Jamar Chase and T. Higgins in more recent history, at least relative to some of those conversations. So again, Dwayne, don't want to completely act like, oh man, you know, Tua couldn't throw for 200 yards and multiple touchdowns in a freezing game against an incredible defense, but it does give you, it has to give you a little bit of pause with, you know, wondering just how real this Dolphins offense is. Cause at their highs, like my God, man, we saw it. Like they had a higher ceiling than any offense in the league this year, but man, this has got to be the sixth or seventh game where they had to face a pretty damn good defense and accordingly just were not able to look like their usual selves. Yeah, for sure. And, and to your point, like we can't like put too much stock into, you know, right. a game that was as cold as this one. But I mean, it was really bad. <laughs> I mean, Tua, you know, missed a lot of different throws, just didn't seem comfortable at all. You know, you mentioned the way the defense is playing them, but you know, the Dolphins have been getting played like that, you know, all year. And early in the year, they were beating those sort of things with their run after the catch ability. And that was one of the things that made their offense so unique is that because they can attack you horizontally, not just vertically and still break all the big plays that uh, it was a challenge for defenses to handle the Dolphins. So it was, it was disappointing, you know, to see the outing that he had, but obviously from a fantasy perspective, like NFL perspective, I think you have to have major questions about Tua. I think, I think there's a big question about giving him his next contract, depending on how much that's going to be. But I think I put him, you know, in the range, Ian, with guys like Dak, you know, I think, I think you could in the, if things worked out perfectly, I think you can win a Super Bowl with Tua. Is he going to carry your team to the Super Bowl every year if you don't have everything else working exactly right? I don't think so. I don't think he has that gear. Like what we're seeing right now from Jordan Love, what we're seeing from CJ Stroud, I would clearly right now place those guys ahead in the pecking order as far as, and even though it's a small sample right now with Jordan Love, we've seen him carry a team. We've never seen that yet from Tua. But from a fantasy perspective, just thinking about next year, because he's still got one year left on the deal, we know uh, that he is good enough to really help all these wide receivers and he can support them. The big challenge is, and we saw this last year, down the stretch, um, you know, the Dolphins. Now, Tua got hurt last year, and so he missed a big he missed a big stretch. Obviously, we had the Skylar Thompson game against the Bills in the playoffs, but it's been it, – we've got two years now where we haven't had the Dolphins finish strong, you know, for us in fantasy. And so it does make you start to wonder – is weather just always going to be a challenge, you know, for this team? And as 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 the conditions worsen, if they don't get to play at home in Miami, are we going to be able to trust them as much? So I I don't want to overreact to something like that, but obviously it has been a factor. And honestly, I think even he he's probably in that same tier as Dak, but I put him closer to someone like uh, Derek Carr. Honestly, it's just if the play design isn't perfect, man, it's dead. This dude cannot create yeah, at all I, out of structure. I can't argue that. So it's a look and I fully realize, you know, Dak, Carr, Kirk Cousins, I think Trevor Lawrence at this point, all these guys are kind of muddled in this tier where, yeah, I'm, and honestly, you could even call that a slight compliment to Derek Carr. I We saw him actually play really good football over the last month of the year. If everything is perfect around him, okay, maybe they can get hot at the right time, but clearly with Tua and company, wasn't meant to be in this year. So disappointing game from the rushing offense as well. I was surprised they just didn't try more, but ultimately, Devin H.N. just nine yards on six carries, Raheem Mostert, 33 yards on eight carries. That's could be another you know interesting conversation Dwayne because hey if we're sitting there in week one next year and it's A-Chan and Mostert again gonna be pretty tough to keep both guys out of the top 24 I do think we'll have to spend something close to that cost to get A-Chan Raheem Mostert though man one of these running backs who is either gonna be a big time value in you know round eight round nine or it's gonna be like why the hell did we use a top 10 round pick on a 33 year old running back yeah, for sure. Uh, and I do have a little bit of a bone to pick, you know, with our oh. Mike McDaniel. We love him, right? But I was kind of surprised, Ian, to see in a game with everything on the line, he just stuck with all of his normal rotations rather than keeping his best players on the field. Uh, Tyreek Hill had a 63% route participation in this game. Dwayne, now, you got to get River Craycraft some reps, man. <laughs> I know. I, I was I was going out of my mind, to be honest, like watching this unfold in front of me. Tyreek like, would run a deep route and just walk to the sideline and get his coat back on. I don't know if that was Tyreek just being cold and uh, being like, hey, I'm done with this game. We're beat. Or if it was really just, oh, we're sticking with our normal rotation. And this has been normal. All year for Tyreek Hill and for Jalen Waddle, both of them are typically around an 80% route participation. Tyreek Hill finished at 75% on the year. Uh, Jalen Waddle finished at 63%. Now he missed some some games, so he was, but in the healthy games, they're both usually around 80% sure. 
I, I really thought you're going to see both those guys out there for 90, 95%. Maybe a little lower due to the cold. You try to get them off the field for a few minutes and warm them up. But at the end of the game, man, when you're just needing a play, you're just leaving two out there hanging without, and there were plays in with neither one of these guys on the field. And then they go to long down and distance and it's freaking, uh, you know, you got Cedric Wilson, come, not Cedric Wilson, uh, Jeff Wilson coming on the field. And it's like, okay, we're going to design a screenplay. You know, you're going to throw the ball to the running back and it's third and long, but because he's your long down and distance guy, technically he's got to be on the field. Screw that, man. Get, get a Chan out there to catch that screen yeah. pass and give yourself a chance for a big play. So, I found that really frustrating that they stuck with uh, these same sort of rotations, and I get it. I know it worked all year, but now you're to the end of the year, and you're you know you're in the fourth quarter playing for your playoff life, and you're just sticking with that plan. I didn't like that. Pretty much the only thing that did work was one heave downfield that Tyreek made a fantastic adjustment to and ended up catching it for a 53-yard touchdown. So cool to see Tyreek at least make one big play and return to Arrowhead, but obviously not nearly enough. And yeah, I'm pretty sure Dolphins fans had absolutely had it there at the end watching Tua on fourth and 16, dunked the ball down to one Cedric Wilson. So that hurt, but hey, you know. Did have some good times in Miami. Ultimately, a AFC continues to run through Patrick Mahomes and company. We'll see who is up next hey, for Ian, them. Real quick, yeah. Before we move on on this one, where are you on 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 Waddle? Because I think just this year, a lot of it was injury induced. Like the targets per route run, which is really important for players playing through injury. They're on and off the field all the time. Like twenty six percent. Like that's still elite, despite the fact yeah. that Tyree kills at thirty five percent. So. I am wondering where folks are going to settle in on Jalen Waddle. Um, I think he'll be. I think he'll be. I think he'll go later than he did in drafts this year, just because it was a little bit of a down year for him. Average thirteen point six fantasy points per game versus twenty three point two for Tyreek. But where are you at on Waddle? I will say you're 100 percent right about the injuries. I mean, he had the chest bruise in August. He got immediately concussed in week two, and then he has you know a freaking high ankle sprain back in the Cowboys game in week 16. So I will say more injuries than not. But even without those injuries, Dwayne, we can look at this offense for the last two years and see it's not really one A one B. It's Tyreek is the one, and Jalen Waddle is the two. And I do just wonder if with guys like Waddle, with Devonta Smith, with T Higgins. There are cap target ceilings for them relative to guys like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, the more clear-cut number ones out there. And I do think it is worth wondering, like, is a tiebreaker of you not being the number one wide receiver on your team a reason enough to maybe look elsewhere in round freaking two and three when we were taking these guys? So, again, it's not like this never happens. It just happened two years ago with Tyreek and Waddle. I know Higgins and Chase have done it, but, man, you know, in a time where we're seeing just more, seemingly more quarterback injuries than ever – like, if you're the number two receiver on your own team, I just feel like you have to be that much more perfect. We've seen it with Debo Samuel a little bit. When he's been banged up and he can't quite be 100%, he's just not getting enough volume to make up for it otherwise. So I would just say I want to take a longer look at these players because even yeah. like Jalen Waddle, man, 11.52 yards per route run, man. <laughs> I mean, he still had a great under underlying stat that was still a yeah. really good year for him. I'm just saying, man, like he led the NFL in yards per catch in 2022. I don't think he was horrible this year. He still had over a thousand yards. I mean, he's a touchdown regression candidate for sure. But man, you know, in some of these offenses, when the price is right, the price is right. But only one football to go around. And I don't think this is really going to be changing in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. I think we see pretty much the same offense. Uh, I agree that it's 1A, 1B, but like Waddle's targets and, you know, everything that he has coming to him would look more like a 1A, 1B on some teams. He just happens to play with Tyreek Hill, uh, who has such a high target share, uh, yards per route run, obviously leads the NFL. Um, it, it makes it seem like it's more of a of a drastic split. Yes, there's a difference between the two, but technically Jalen Waddle still, in the, the underlying data says, he still has wide receiver one worthy value from a fantasy perspective, just based on historical data. That doesn't always work out, right? But, I mean, that's what we create the thresholds for whenever we create the rankings and tiers, and that's the process I go through at the, the beginning of, mm -hmm. you know, well, I'll start it right after the NFL draft. I typically put up my first version of those. I have my top 150 out here, Ian, in the uh, dead week for the Super Bowl. But uh, I, I've been thinking a lot about Waddle. So, yeah, ha had to get your thoughts. We're pretty much in alignment. I do agree that when you're looking at tiebreakers and if you've got another similar uh, player of age and talent, like a Chris Olave is a really good example that does make me want to lean towards a guy like Alave, but I also want to be open to drafting a Waddle, especially if I'm drafting a ton of teams, because 
we know he's talented. Just your same, the same thing you just talked about with Njoku. Like suddenly, th- what if next year it's Tyreek Hill that's dealing with injuries all season and Jalen Waddle's the main guy? <laughs> like then, then suddenly, you know, I- I'll say this if he's the primary guy in this offense uh, and Tyreek Hill's not there and they just have a, a, a normal wide receiver one, not a superhuman wide receiver one across from Jalen Waddle or, or wide receiver two in that case. Like, I do think that Waddle, he could be a wide receiver one in fantasy. We saw uh, one example of that phenomenon, Dwayne. He had eight catches for 142 yards and a touchdown against the previously fantastic Jets secondary. So I'm with you again, more of a thing like, okay, are we going to rank him wide receiver 10 or wide receiver 15 because of this? Obviously, Jalen Waddle still someone that I'm sure you'll be thrilled to have on fantasy squads in 2024 and beyond. Guys, before we get into the Sunday action, we just want to give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings because it's the NFL playoffs and we have teamed up with DraftKings, an official partner of the NFL. And right now they are here to offer you, they have an offer, guys, that you do not want to miss as I pull up some of our handy dandy disclaimers here for you, YouTube faithful. Right now, you do not want to miss this. All customers can get a new sweat bet with a bonus bet back if you're saying game parlay bet does not hit max reward limit supply but you can download a DraftKings sportsbook app now and sign up using our promo code monday night if you're a new customer you're definitely going to want to listen up because again guys on DraftKings, new customers who bet just five dollars will get two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly not 100 that's 200 big ones with just a five dollar og bet wondering what you can do with your 200 in bonus bets well you can buy multiple bets together for a shot at an even bigger payout i'll say this too i was watching the uh Texans game, Dwayne, with uh, Elliot Chris, our lovely CEO and friend, and I was in the New York area, so we were hanging out with that. And just when you go on DraftKings and you start digging just a little bit, man, some of those alternate receiving lines, like just take an extra couple minutes, guys, and look at these if you're trying to do your same game parlays because it's a lot of fun. I'm just like you trying to, you know, get a nice sweat with my five to ten dollars, and just you'll see players that have a you know receiving line of like seventy five yards, and then you can just go to their alternate receiving line and all of a sudden get much better odds for only a few additional yards. Added. So, hey, DraftKings, they got a lot, of, a lot of customers to please, a lot of things to do out there. So, again, I think if you dig a little bit deeper there in the prop land, you can find some true goodness. But, hey, maybe, unfortunately, you live in a state where sports betting is not yet available. Not to worry, you can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. So, everyone, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. All new customers can use the promo code Monday night and get a no-sweat bet. You can get a bonus bet back if your same-game parlay bet loses. Again, that's promo code Monday night only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. All right, the Lions took down. Oh, I'm just kidding. We got to talk about it. The Packers <laughs> took down the Cowboys 48 32, obviously covering as seven point dogs. The overcash with these at 52. The first loss by a two seed to a seven seed since the NFL expanded to a 14 team playoff back in 2020. So, this is brutal. It was not as close as the final score looked, and not that that even looks overly close, but this was a 27 to nothing game in the second quarter, Dwayne. Dak threw two interceptions. Honestly, could have been four, depending on how, you know, a few of those passes ended up going that were deflections instead of picked off. But obviously, the true story of the day was just how freaking good Jordan Love was. 272 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 157.2 passer rating, 99.3 QB are even if you don't have any idea what those stats mean you can tell that they're pretty freaking good so Dwayne again you were at the game you had your all 22 view going on live Jordan Love man he's a dog he, he was playing amazing man uh the, the the most impressive aspect of the game to me yesterday for Jordan Love was the Cowboys were able to get him into several third and longs and he was converting all of them you know, he was buying time in the pocket, moving around, doing the scramble drill, you know, wide receivers and him clearly on the same page. Romeo Dobbs, obviously, we'll get to him in a minute. He had a monster game, but he was huge on on these third down scramble type plays where he's back there buying time, avoiding the initial pass rush, keeping his eyes down the field and just so calm, cool and collected, man. Yeah. Like just Jordan Love looking amazing. And, and obviously, we've talked a lot about his accuracy here recently and how that was a big concern early on in the season. But man, over these last four games, Ian, uh, 74% completion percentage, 61%, 73%, and 76% yesterday against the, against the Cowboys with an 8 out of 11.3. That's insane to have a completion percentage of 76% when you're throwing the ball that far down the field. 
Obviously, that came through in the box score with a 12.95 yards per attempt, and he scored 22.8 fantasy points. It could have been even more. They didn't have to keep the pedal to the metal late in the game. I mean, they were they were pretty much trying to run out. They were running their four-minute offense uh, yeah. by, like, the late third quarter. So this could have been an even bigger day for Jordan Love. But, yeah, just absolutely phenomenal. Putting up 22.8 fantasy points when you only drop back to throw the ball 21 times, is, uh, that's pretty impressive, Ian. Yeah, 21 dropbacks, so sadly, guys. Didn't really have to keep his foot on the gas, as Dwayne alluded to, and accordingly, the over 8.5 rushing yards prop did not hit. I am a man of my word, though. I have already purchased a $40 candle. I would love to show you guys here soon. <laughs> Going to be smelling great. Win-win. Very, very thrilled to have the candle. Would have been a lot cooler to get that over 8.5, but we will watch the film and get better. Of course, Jordan did have a little bit of help from his friends. Aaron Jones had his fourth consecutive 100-yard rushing game. Not one, not two, but three touchdowns on the ground only had two all season something about jones playing in dallas just seems to bring out the best of them hometown hero in this one also romeo dobbs man six catches 151 yards and a touchdown also had touchdowns to luke musgrave and dontavian wicks the wicks one was awesome managed to beat stefan freaking gilmore on the isolation route luke musgrave that might have been the most wide open touchdown of the entire season in terms of like where was the closest defender wasn't like an overly accurate throw like you know but didn't matter, Dwayne, when you don't have a defender within 20 yards of him. So Musgrave did his thing, but Tucker Kraft still mostly working as the leader there. So Jaden Reed and Christian Watson combined for one catch, and it just didn't matter out there. So honestly, Dwayne, that has been the most impressive part about the second half. Just boom from Jordan Love and really the entire offense. Since week nine, only the 49ers are averaging a higher EPA per play, and only the 49ers are averaging more yards per play. The top three passer ratings by a team offense since week nine, Brock Purdy, Jordan Love, and C.J. Stroud. So things are truly going fantastic in Green Bay, despite the fact that all these guys have seemingly been banged up at one point or another. So it did seem like with those injuries, Dwayne Christian Watson was not in his usual role, and Luke Musgrave is also still working back to get to that usual every down role we had prior to going on IR. Yeah, Christian Watson only had a 38% route participation yesterday. So they're they're just working him back. But at this point, Ian, I don't know that Christian Watson lands in a full-time role. I mean, just because Dontavian Wicks has been so good. Romeo Dobbs had a big game yesterday. Wicks still had a 62% route participation down from 79% the week before. So that's, that's primarily who Watson is rotating with. Uh, I do think Watson will continue to climb, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's more of a 50-50 just because yeah. Wicks has played so good over this little stretch that he's had he's got a 2.14 yards per route run you know he's got a great connection with love as far as the touchdowns got another got another one of those you mentioned luke musgrave as well and you are correct it was tucker craft leading the way with a 62 percent route participation but that was down from 85 percent and we saw with luke musgrave he went from uh 18 in week 18 up to 38 percent route participation in the wild card game 38% targets per route run yesterday for Musgrave. So I think that this will be eventually swing back towards Musgrave. And like, I think he'll end up being the lead guy, but I do think Tucker Craft's been good enough in that it's probably more of a split. And, and so that's going to be the challenge with this group is, is pinning down who's going to be the one to go off. Right. Yeah. Or is it just going to be spread out across five or six guys in a game. Um, but the good news is, They've all shown, they've all flashed the talent that you have to have to make the plays. So if, if their number is the the one that comes up on any given Sunday, they can be the one that can go off. So you guys will just have to, have to play that accordingly if you're thinking about your DFS or uh, this next round of best ball uh, playoff drafts. Main injury to watch is Jair Alexander re-injuring that ankle. And also we'll see if A.J. Dillon, still dealing with the thumb and neck issues, is able to return for next weekend's game against the 49ers. Should be a fun one there. Again, between two offenses that have been playing better than just about anyone over the course of the second half of the season. Over with the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, 403 yards and three touchdowns. Probably the worst uh, you know, such performance in NFL history, with all due respect to some of the games that Big Ben managed to put up later in his career. But really just was brutal. Again, had the two interceptions. Could have been four. First one, you know, was a mix of a bad route and a little bit of a tug that wasn't called. Second one, the pick six, was absolutely miserable throw. I saw someone tweet that when the momentum starts, you know, kind of going against the Cowboys, Dak starts seeing all the squiggly lines in Madden when he's going through his progression. So, <laughs> yeah, man, just uh, CeeDee Lamb had like one catch in the entire first half. It was the complete sort of bed-shitting performance that you just can't let happen in the playoffs. Right now, we're recording this at 12.15 p.m. Eastern. 
Hello, fiance Julia. Recording us at 12 15 p.m. Eastern in uh, you know, on Monday. So we have not heard yet if Mike McCarthy is gonna be out, Dwayne. But I mean, three straight years with 12 wins and got only one freaking playoff win to show for that. Don't want to be too much of a prisoner of the moment, but just that entire effort in a game that you could not afford to do this with. Just bring in Mike Vrabel, man. What are we doing? Yeah. Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, someone. I do think the Cowboys will will make a change. If if you're going off of, and this wasn't just breaking this weekend. Adam Schefter put it back out there, but basically said that Mike McCarthy would be judged on his last game. That is that is what his sources had been telling him. That was obviously a terrible last game, and that's something that we had been hearing even before you know we got to this weekend. So my guess is that McCarthy's gone, and even. You know, had it been a closer game, maybe he can hang on, Ian, but just getting blown out like that. I mean, the game was over in the first quarter pretty much. Like, I mean, that's how bad it was. It's never truly over in the first quarter, but whenever you get down by that much by halftime, it really was over. Uh, you know, Dak had a stretch of just really bad play. Uh, I remember returning to my nephew because my my brother and his fiance had gotten up and they were going to get something to eat at the get a hot dog or whatever. I don't know what they were doing. And I was just sitting there with Sam and I was like, man, Cowies really need a touchdown drive. Right. When I said it, Dak threw a pick six. (laughs) So yeah, it it was, it was a brutal day for Dak. Like you said, in the counting stats, like he still came through in the end, like from a fantasy perspective, gave you over 400 yards passing, gave you 30.6 fantasy points. Look, Dak, Dak's a really, he's a good fantasy quarterback. I think we've he's he's proven that multiple times now. He's pretty much always a top 12 guy. And if he gets into one of these seasons where he's grooving, he can give you a top five, top six finish. I think we'll still feel the same way about him next year. But we will have to see who is going to be running the offense. Like, that's a definite factor that could come into play. Like, if they did go get someone, I would rather them go after one of these young offensive coordinators, to be honest. Ian. I'd rather them go after uh, Ben Johnson from Detroit, Bobby Slowick from Houston. Those would be the top of my list uh, over guys like Belichick and Mike Rabel. Now, if, if they bring in one of those guys, we'll just have to wait and see like who's going to be the OC. But man, Vrabel would worry me because I would be worried he'd try to throttle the offense down, you know, yeah. and try to run the ball more. So so we'll, we'll we'll wait and see what happens with those things. But, um, you know, on the receiving side of the ball, you already mentioned Lamb. You know, he still came up with his 100 yards. Uh, he had a couple of really, you know, he had a couple of uh, – pretty bad drops in the game. I mean, not the easiest catches, but they were drops. Uh, And Ferguson obviously went off. He had the three touchdowns uh, on the day, 37.3 fancy points. And so he finishes his season with a 19% targets per route run. That is low end tight end one worthy. He has a 1.49 yards per route run. Also low end tight end one worthy. So we'll see what things look like for Ferguson next year. They do have Peyton Hendershot who they, you know, Peyton Hendershot, and then they have Luke Schoonmaker. Neither one of those guys were really able to get much going. I, I, I think this is probably Ferguson's tight end room moving forward, Ian. So I think we'll feel pretty good about him as a guy that we're taking as a low end, maybe even a mid-range tight end one. I remember specifically, Dwayne, in one of my many, you know, ultimately incorrect Dalton Schultz uh, slandering sessions throughout the offseason. <laughs> I remember one specific reason where I was like, you could barely tell the difference if it was Dalton Schultz or Jake Ferguson on the field last year. And I kind of used that as an indictment against Schultz instead of maybe just sitting back and wondering, <laughs> oh, maybe both these guys are actually maybe Jake pretty good. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have certainly seen that come to fruition. I mentioned before, David Njoku leads the NFL in missed tackles force as a tight end. Jake Ferguson, though, tied with Travis Kelsey there tied for second with 18. So really great season from ASAP Ferg. Ended up being the number two target getter overall on the season. CD had 197, Ferguson 108. After that, it was Brandon Cooks with 90, Tony Pollard with 76, and Michael Gallup with 62. Shout out to Gallup with 103 yards in this one. Might have been his best game of the season. Sadly, too little too late for your Dallas Cowboys. Sunday night, we had the Lions take down the Los Angeles Rams 24-23, to getting the first playoff win since 1991. Now the Dolphins had the longest active playoff winless drought. The Rams did cover as three-point dogs. The under cash at 53, ruining Ian's same game parlays, but we will watch the film and get better. Really, really exciting first half joint. It looked like we were about to see, you know, a 60-70 point, you know, combined game total. But honestly, just didn't see much from either squad in the second half. Just nine combined points 
points in the second half after a 21-17 Lions lead after the first 30 minutes of action. So Lions only had 10 rushing yards on 11 carries in the second half. Nothing was overly working except for Jared Goff to Amon Ross St. Brown. 110 yards for the Sun God himself. He has now gone over 90 and scored in all of his last five games. Four touchdowns in those five games, excuse me. But yep, continuing to do king shit week in and week out. Also had the game clinching first down conversion there at the end. So I saw a stat that was like Jared Goff was 22 for 22 when given the benefit of a clean pocket. And that's it, man. Like we mentioned earlier, that kind of tier of guys with Dak, with Tua and everything. And Goff is firmly in that tier. And I think honestly, hoping that Tua could eventually be this sort of version of Goff probably is his best case scenario long-term. And guess what? This best case, you know, version of Jared Goff certainly good enough to beat his former employer and went out there and again, led the Lions to plenty of offensive production. So, yeah, man, just really rinse and repeat the same old stuff. I can't believe Sam Laporta looked as healthy as he did just one week after what initially seemed like a horrible knee injury. Wish we would have gotten a little bit more out of Jamison Williams production-wise, but the usage was there. Pretty, uh, you know, standard stuff, Dwayne, other than Jameer Gibbs. Not really getting the same sort of workload we're used to seeing. Yeah, so real quick on the on the passing game before we move over to the backs. Yeah. Uh, we did see Laporta get the 80% route participation. That was uh, pretty impressive. Now, he wasn't able to do a lot with it, 12% target share. But Josh Reynolds was the wide receiver, too, with a 97% route participation and a 28% target share uh, yesterday, which was, uh, you know, second to only Amon Ra St. Brown. Amon Ra was at 32%. So good day for Josh Reynolds. And we've seen him have these kind of blow-up games here uh, every once in a while. And, and it didn't. It wasn't a blow up in the fantasy box score with only 13 points, but 28% target share. That is really impressive. And then Jamison Williams, 87% route participation with Khalif Raymond unable to go in this one. So those are both guys that we're going to like if they're going to get that much playing time. To your point, Jamison, uh, only 3.9 fantasy points. Uh, you know, he came up with 19 yards receiving on what was it, two receptions. So, yeah, we, we were hoping for more, but he was out there to, to your point with the route participation being there. And then, yeah, if we look at the running backs in this game, Jameer Gibbs, 33% of the snaps over the last three games, he had had 58%, 63%, and 52%, and then 32% of the rushing attempts. Uh, he had not been below 43% in his previous three games. I don't think this is anything, Ian, that we can just run away with other than just the way the game flow, the way the game worked out, right? And they wanted to use David Montgomery. We've seen these kind of outings from Montgomery uh, in the past, whenever it works out right. And he was the lead back on Sunday with a 56% snap share, 56% of the rushing attempts, and he got 100% of the carries and the short down and distance and inside the five-yard line. So those were big things for Gibbs, not able to get uh, you know touches in those roles, but he still came through with the 16.8 fantasy points. Why? Well, he still had a 16% target share. Uh, so he's getting the ball one way or another pretty much every game. So that's one, honestly, that's one of the encouraging things with Gibbs at this point. It's like, even when you don't get the right game script, like he still has a chance to come through like this. Now he doesn't every time, but 16.8 fantasy points in a, in a week where he only had 33% of the snaps, I think we'll definitely take that. Would have been a fun little rematch between the Cowboys and Lions, but instead the Lions will go ahead and get the winner of this Buccaneers-Eagles Monday night game. And I think, Dwayne, they're going to be favored against whoever that ends up being, meaning we might just see the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship. What a time to be alive. I'm knocking on woods, but, you know, truly happy for all you Detroit Lions fans. I hate your state otherwise and the other football team there, but really, really fun year for Detroit Lions faithful. And, you know, a really nice return by Matthew Stafford despite taking the L. 367 yards, two touchdowns. Like, just <laughs> the audacity of Stafford to be throwing, like, no-look screen passes in the first quarter and just these arm angles throughout the game, man. It just it looks like he is literally, like, just treating these high-pressure NFL playoff moments with the same, you know, lackadaisical flair that we would just throw in a football in the backyard, and that's what makes him so fun to watch all season long. But he will be turning 36 in February. But, man, Dwayne, like, coming off a year in 2022 where one injury after another, we had the neck thing. There are retirement whispers. Both Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay seem to kind of get like a breath of fresh air, honestly, this year. And honestly, a big reason why is DraftKings Player of the Week, Puka Nakua, nine catches, 181 yards, and a touchdown. That is the most receiving yards by a rookie in a playoff game. Oh, um, ever. So pretty great stuff there, Dwayne, from Stafford, from Puka. 
and this Rams offense for most of the season. I know they ultimately came up short here. You know, one might say the refs weren't exactly doing them many favors, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. So fantastic stuff again from Puka. Someone who this time last year, Dwayne, like I think it's fair to say, the heavy majority of fantasy football faithful. Hell, honestly, by August, I think the heavy majority of people still had absolutely no idea who Puka Nakua was. Now he is, you know, the best rookie wide receiver literally ever and someone who will most likely be a consensus top 12 pick if not top you know 15 18 come next august for sure man um 2.75 yards per route run on the season that's what he finishes at 29 percent target share uh in an offense that also has cooper cup now there were games where cup was banged up or missed time but that's just i mean that's amazing ian and a 33 percent air yard share so all of those numbers are all wide receiver one worthy. So I don't think there's really anything fluky about it. I think Puka Nakua is the real deal. I think he will be the first Rams wide receiver drafted next year. I think you should look at him as a mid-range to low-end wide receiver one. I think we'll be looking at Cooper Cup as more like a mid-range wide receiver two. Uh, did some research based on you know this last stretch of healthy games with Cooper Cup with Puka Nakua, and he was still good. You know, don't get me wrong. Like he's, he's had like a 26% target share over that period. But when you look at his ADOT and some of the things that have not historically been bad for him, Ian, it's one of those situations where if he's going to be more of like the number two and he's going to have the low ADOT, that's a challenge. Like for yeah. Cooper Cup to be the elite wide receiver we got used to seeing, he needs to be capable of getting 35 and 40% target shares, and that's no longer there. But based on the research I did uh, and I created a comp group for him, it really graded out as a mid-range wide receiver too. And all the names that were around him, are the kind of names you would expect. Most of them were all slot receivers um, or they played the Z position. They mostly worked inside and they were underneath target earners. Amon Ra St. Brown was on that list. So they're still really good names you know, on the list. But again, Amon Ra in that first season is, is the one that came up. You know, He didn't start doing his damage till later in the year. Now he's an absolute target hog. So with Cup, I think more of a mid-range wide receiver too. I took him in round two of our fantasy life uh, way too early mock draft. And I think that was too early. I think yep. he's really more of a round three, round probably a round four pick is about where I would settle in on Cooper Cup. I was about to say, I just took Adam Thielen in round 11, Dwayne, and just, it's going to be a scary player A, player B, even with the efficiency numbers things, and seeing someone like Cooper Cup up there in round two, round three range, just when we get to it. I mean, this this is rough, man. Hey, he had the hamstring injury to start in August. He had another ankle issue, you know, shortly after he got back. We had a week or so without Stafford. Like, we went through why some of those down games weren't necessarily as bad as just the final box score numbers look, yeah. but he will be 31 in June, and let's face it you know players do tend to get a bit more bruised up there as they get older and just saying man it was concerning to watch Demarcus Robinson over these final five games really look like he was bringing more juice to the table than Cooper Cup I mean this is unprecedented territory for Cooper Cup eight games this year Dwayne eight with 50 or fewer receiving yards, he only had two such games combined in 2021 and 2022. So, I mean, career-worst efficiency numbers across the board. I think it's definitely Puka over Cooper Cup. I just worry, Dwayne, if we have really seen the best already from Cooper and we're clinging a bit too tight to what goes on in 2021. So, plenty of time to still be talking about that, but... Man, if they add another big-time receiver here, Dwayne, or like a tight end that's not Tyler Higby, who also, bad news, maybe suffered a torn ACL on a pretty shitty hit from Kirby Joseph, I'll be honest. You know, I know the hip drop tackles all the rage to complain about, but going full speed and taking a helmet to someone's knee also doesn't seem very cool in my unprofessional opinion. But, yeah, man, just I don't want to put too much on an injured guy, but maybe, just maybe, I think probably actually. I mean, it's Keenan Allen. That's what, uh, yeah. it's, it's Keenan Allen. This is Keenan Allen now. Now, obviously, Keenan came out and had an amazing year this yeah. year until he got hurt at the end. But I think that's the kind of ceiling Cooper Cup can still give you if Puka Nakua is hurt. You know, so I think Cooper Cup, when Nakua is around doing his thing, obviously, there's going to there's gonna be a cap there. But, uh, you know, he can give you 14, 15 fantasy points. I mean, he averaged 14 this year, and there's a lot of injured games in there. So I, yeah. my guess is his, his healthy range is still probably 15 to 17 fantasy points per game which is not bad it's just the capping of the ceiling thing you know you're going to need some things to work out you know for you and i do think injury 
uh, could still be playing a role here for Cup. It's hard to say. We don't always get all the details on these things um, as the season progresses. We know when they get hurt. We know if they're listed on practice reports. But sometimes players are still dealing with ailments, you know, and we don't we don't know about it late in the season. So with Cooper Cup, yeah, I think round four and similar to where we were getting Keenan Allen this year, right? End of round three, early round four. I think that's where Cooper Cup deserves to go next year in fantasy drafts. Michael Pittman over Cooper Cup in 2024? Yeah, I think you will. Um, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, Michael Pittman has performed like a wide receiver one across the board. Yes. The only challenge will be, you know, and again, chaos happens, <laughs> but probably more running from the Colts with Anthony Richardson <sighs> under center. But at least Richardson did flash uh, a lot better accuracy than what we saw in college. So I, I think a little bit of that question is it's not completely answered, but we at least know that Richardson is capable of being an accurate quarterback. So yeah, I think I'm taking Pittman over Cooper cup. Looking at our mock round four, we had Devonte Smith, Keenan Allen, Michael Pittman, and T Higgins go one after another. I think it makes sense if Cooper cup is within that sort of range with those guys yeah, round four. Yeah. Round four. Hey man, it's, you know, you're going to, you're going to lose a whopping $0 on that call join. So we also don't <laughs> quite have the uh, rookies into this yet. So not the end all be all with it, but Hey, just remember, don't hit the player, hate the ADP. So as much as cup, obviously with that 103, 104 spot that a lot of us took him at this last year, AKA me far too often. If we do see the guy down there in round four, maybe that is enough of a discount to hopefully maybe not get back to partying like it's 2021, but to Dwayne's point, 14 plus fantasy points, per game this year even with all the context of injuries and stuff also out there not the worst thing in the world so again shout out to our one true king kuka nakua one of the best surprises of the year kyron williams doing a lot of great things as well had a hand injury in this one and obviously just a really tough matchup against aiden hutchinson in that front seven but all in all two really fun offenses and we will see the lions advance not the rams this time around Dwayne, it's gonna wrap everything up look at us only an hour podcast. Kept one of these under two. I know, I know. Only had four games. But we'll be back Tuesday morning, you, myself, and Marcus Grant to go ahead and break down these upcoming Monday night actions. You got any bold, crazy predictions that the listeners will for sure know or right or wrong by the time they listen to one? Uh, no, I don't have anything off the top of my head. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'll be honest. Still uh, feeling a little down after the yeah. Cowboy game. Ian, uh, drank a few too many Miller Lights, got up early this morning, started riding. And, uh, you know, I, I love doing what we do, but I, I'm, I'm having a tough time shaking you're, the Cowboy loss. You're hurt, dog. <laughs> You're hurt. I hear you on the maybe a few more. It was funny, man. Just watching the games with Elliot. We were at a, an Irish pub, and have you had a black and blue before? The Guinness Blue no. Moon mix, dude. They are delicious. And really? I just cannot Sounds stop good. drinking these things. Guinness are a little too stouty for me. You know, to each their own, but just not my big time cup of tea. But you actually mix it. It looks cool as hell, and just the taste of it. Mm, absolutely perfect so you know hey now that we're done with this story maybe we get right back on the old horse watch some football and have a good day why the hell not but I want to thank you guys for tuning in again i know fancy regular season's over but the grind never stops and we'll be back throughout this week with plenty of more analysis and just overall good vibes to get you ready for the divisional round so for Dwayne, i'm in thanks again for tuning into the fantasy life podcast until next time take care everybody